Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything theology, church, and faith-related. Churchpreneurs' vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneurs hopes to embolden you to fulfill the Great Commission beyond your own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. It's possible, folks. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church, theology, and hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and personal growth in Christ. Today, we've got a real treat. Uh, we're in a different sort of setup, and you can see that now. Uh, we got the the community uh, conference room here at Creekside Church. <laughs> and, and a uh, very long table. And a long table. <laughs> yeah. That actually helps for the video. Yeah. So, so today we got a real treat for you. Different setting, same show, different setting. Uh, Max is running tech for us. Uh, thanks, Max. Uh, we got with us as a special guest, Jeff Bruce. Jeff is the lead pastor of Creekside Community Church here in San Leandro. He's the teaching pastor, elder here, father of three, uh, they've just finalized an adoption of their third. Uh, Jeff graduated from Biola and then later uh, Talbot with a master's in theology. And most importantly, I wanted to point out, Jeff is homeschooled. We have that in common. We're the... I'm feeling the... Asocial... The asocial <laughs> homeschoolers. Yeah, dude. Nah, <laughs> we, we could go on. But uh, yeah, he's homeschooled, and so he got that in common. Jeff, thanks for taking some time to chat with us today on Churchpreneurs. Welcome. Bro, thanks for having me. Good to have you. Good to have you in the States, I man. Know. I know, right? It's, it's been, been a minute. been a fun time uh, since we've been here, so we've been here for about a, a couple weeks already, and uh, just visited Creekside uh, this last Sunday. It was an awesome time. Just uh, remember with fondness our time here. And uh, so, yeah, um, again, we're in this cool studio setup. Thanks, Max, uh, for doing it. We'll interview you next time. So, uh, Jeff, uh, as I understand it, <clears throat> you wanted to save the world through church planning. <laughs> Is that right? Is that how it happened? Sure. <laughs> but then God led you <laughs> to be a pastor yeah. Of an existing church, uh, more, more, more or less established church. Uh, Creekside is a relatively young church. Yeah. But um, how was that process for you? What, um, what were you thinking when you were called a church plant and to where you are now? Well, tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I told myself I believed that Jesus was going to save the world through church planting, <laughs> and, I, and I still believe that. That is my... <laughs> theology, that that's yeah. part of how he saves the world. That's his plan A, is through the multiplication of, of gospel-centered churches. And so I had a conviction starting in college that, that, that church planting was essential to the expansion of the gospel, that the gospel creates new churches that propagate the gospel. And yeah. um, also, you know, I was going to school in Southern California, and it's, it is a more church context. It's still you know, right. it's California. There, there's still a lot of secularism lot of and all that, but yeah. but there are a lot of Christians yeah. in Southern California. And if you look at the history, you can kind of understand the, the different dynamics there of why. And, and so just ministering in that context for six years just had a burden for the Bay. And um, Bay Area is, is um, a, a very unchurched place relative right. to the rest of the country. And uh, we need thousands more solid churches here to see the gospel really penetrate, um, make an impact here. And so I had that conviction pretty early on in college, uh, that, that I wanted to be back in the Bay. 
mm-hmm. A- mm-hmm. at some point and end up here. So we moved back up here and went to the Bay, uh, got up back in the Bay at about 2008. And yeah. so I was intent on planting a church. And I think what, what was mixed in with some godly ambition <laughs> was a sense that church planting is a way to establish yourself. Uh. And to um, justify your existence, <laughs> and justify your theological education, and all the money and, that went into that had an effort. Yeah, and 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 so there was ego tied up with it, and I think I didn't realize it at that age how much of it was about me proving to myself uh, yeah. by getting a crowd that I could lead, that I could cast vision, that I could yeah. preach, that I could win people to Christ. And so uh, that basically the, the lead up is this. So I ministered at Creekside, um, which my dad yeah. planted yeah. Uh, about 30 years ago. And so 2008 till about 2013, I was here doing youth stuff, associate role, uh, yeah. kind of moved up and you were here during the same time. Well, now let me back back yeah. up to your childhood even. Actually. Totally. I mean, you grew up on oh, Creekside <laughs> and, and, and how much of that maybe is actually DNA sort of built into your person that like, look, you were around a church plant. Yep. You had that kind of visionary surrounding. Mm-hmm. Is, is that sort of what played a role maybe into your desire to church plant in the end? And, 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 totally. and, and now your vision actually, you know, I mean, I see a lot of stuff from in my life now from my dad. Yeah. You know? Oh, and absolutely. You just, and it's and, and you just are, are actually really grateful in the end. Yeah. I mean, I know. I hope. I hope that's how you are. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think, um, and it's a great point. I I grew up, you know, from the age of six on in a church plant, right? And so we we packed up our our bags and yeah. <laughs> you know we're just moving a city down, but still it was <laughs> it was uh, the trailer every week. Yeah, dude, church, un- in unpack, truck, church and a truck. Church in a truck. And but it was. It was great. Like it was, you you got to see God at work, yeah. and and there are advantages to growing up in yeah. a church plant. Uh, there isn't an established church culture in the way I think a, a lot of PKs grow up in, right. where there's all of these built-in expectations on kind of the spirituality of the right. of, of the pastor's kid and what they're supposed to be. I didn't have that. We were just trying to lost people all the time. Yeah, seeing yeah. people come to Jesus, it was fluid, it was innovative, it was exciting, it yeah. was scary. You know, you had to pivot, and and so. I had a great, a really positive experience yeah. with church planning. And, and to my dad's credit, uh, he did not sacrifice his family on the altar of ministry. And so because of that, um, because he protected his relationships with us, sure. my relationship with him was intact. Mm-hmm. And I had a positive view of the church and church planning. So, and church planning. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's so, actually like yeah. a small miracle that you actually you know, kind of have that as a PK and a <laughs> church. You know, you have absolutely. a positive view on all those things still. Yeah. That's that's the Lord working. I mean, absolutely. Really. So that's I chalk that up to the grace of God, yeah. and you know, and the faithfulness of of my mom and dad and awesome. other people and the way that they did that. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, so so that was definitely a part of it. Coming back up here, I, I I'd seen that vision, and then theologically, I was convinced. Yes, <laughs> missiologically convinced. Yes, yes. So yeah. got back up here, and 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 so was here, and you know, the church plant never really materialized. I expected mm-hmm. to be sent from Creekside, mm-hmm. and it was clear to me about five years in that my dad. Dad and the leadership had no intention of sending me. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so 2013 rolls around and, um, yeah, this was actually right around the time you were getting ready to go to Germany. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. We crossed paths for about two years. I yeah, believe, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. We were working more closely together for yeah. sure. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, 2013 comes around, my dad drops the S word, <laughs> not that one, the other one, which is, <laughs> 
Say it. Yeah. You, Succession. You, you say it. I don't yeah, know. I know. What were you going to say? <laughs> no, nah, man. It, he, he, he talked about pastoral succession, yeah. and he said, you know, Jeff, 2018, five years out, I'm going to be 70, and that's about the age I want to run till. And Two S words, 70 and succession. Succession. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. And so he said, converging. I would like to really think through strategically what it would be like for you to phase into this mm-hmm. role, and I panicked. <laughs> Wait, church planning. What? Wait, what happened to the church planning idea? Yeah, I I panicked and and I don't know how much I talked to you at this time. I almost left. Um, I, I did. I did have that feeling maybe that like, oh, um, yeah, maybe this is too big for me, or you know, just like let me get out of here for sure. Yeah. And so you know, I had begun a candidating process with a local church. They were planting a site and can- mm. candidating to be a, a campus pastor there, and you know. Um, the thing that kept me here was actually just you were transitioning out. We had another pastor, Bob Reinhardt. Yep. He was transitioning out. I would have been the third in three months. To have, oh, and yeah. I would have been an unexpected one. And I just thought it, the only thing keeping me here at that time was I don't think I can leave well and go somewhere else well. Right. I just, I felt like I, this is not, I am not leaving well and I would not have a clear conscience about it. Wow. And so, I just said, so I'm going to stay just because of that. That was really it. No desire to, to do the succession thing. And then mm. in the subsequent years, God taught me a few things. And this gets into the transition. Yeah. You know, one, um, a lot of my desire for church planning was wrapped up with um, affirming myself. Right. Can I do this? Can, Can I, I do this? Yeah. Can I pull it off? Can I take the hill? Do I have that? In- sort of that entrepreneurial like, yeah, we can pull this off. And yeah. to be fair, if you're a church planner, you need to be a little crazy <laughs> and, and and have, you know, a godly confidence that, yeah, God's going to do something and I'm going to take risks and I'm going to, you you know, that right th- that makeup is actually, I think, what you God sort of got to have. Lot, it, you yeah. got to have that kind of gusto. I mean, you think of Paul. I mean, you know, th- this guy, yeah, he had big head on his shoulders and God is going to, he has a godly confidence. Yeah. Yeah. He has godly confidence yeah. and, you know, and, and you absolutely right. humility, but, but also a boldness that's inspired by, 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 you know, just the reality that the gospel's advancing. And so, um, you know, what I realized is that, um, my words and my actions didn't really align that, mm. that, um, I had not proactively been taking steps to really plant a church. And my wife pointed it out that, you know, for a church planner, you don't really seem to have a <laughs> Our wives. Know, real clear. Yeah, seriously. When and and, and every time I would talk about church planning, she'd be like, just just be at Creek. Like, you can do everything you want to do at Creekside. Why would you go somewhere else? Right. So she didn't see it, you know, which is, again, and an important point. Looking forward now, the multipli- the multiplication that can actually Creekside is involved in at the moment. Totally. You're actually doing it, yeah, really. Yeah. And, and I'll, right? get, I'll get to you that get in to a that, second yeah. for yeah. sure. But anyway, what I realized is that my, my, um, ambition to plant churches was kind of muddled. There was, there was a lot of ego in it. Um, part of it was just, I want a cool church with better coffee and a darker room and louder music. And, you know, I mean, that was, you know, early, the early aughts, right. That's kind of how, you know, we thought about, you know, how to reach anyway. Right. So, so I'm, I'm poking fun at myself, but that was, that was, yeah, yeah. that was part of it. And, and so the other thing I realized is that a lot of my decision to plant was ego. A lot of my decision not to succeed my dad was ego. And the way I saw it was this, I, I did not want to fail at this. Succeeding your dad. Yeah, yeah because I felt like, okay, if I go plant my own thing and run it into the ground, that's just like starting a small business. Like people fail at that all the time. That's fine. At you least can you try. Yeah, yeah. But inheriting something wow. that was healthy, that was 
growing and that my dad had spent the, the, the bulk of his adult life investing in, if I ran that thing into the ground, then I'm not just failing the church. I'm failing my dad, like as a son. And that just felt like too much, way too much. Wow. That's really, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a heavy sort of thing well, yeah. to take on. Well, I had to work through that because yeah. what I realized is I'm like, that's, that's still about me and my ego and my sense of wow. this is my church or I'm taking over a church. And what changed it for me was realizing like, well, okay, Jeff, Jesus is the head of the church <laughs> and it's really not about you. It's about what Jesus wants. And, and this is really what shaped my theology of calling after this, because I'd always thought calling was basically just the Lord tells you to do something and you go do it. And that's call. Now I do think there's an internal desire to call. You have to desire something, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but Tim Keller, he has a helpful kind of, typology or taxonomy for this. He says, call is three things, right? It's desire, but then it's affirmation and it's opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it's, you got to want to do it. Other people have to affirm <laughs> that you should do it. Mm -hmm. And then someone's got to pay you to do it. That's, <laughs> that's opportunity. And what I realized is I'm like, well, what if God through his church is calling me to be here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If there's affirmation and opportunity, then I can trust that the desire will follow. So I need to make myself open to this. Mm -hmm. And so basically I broke down finally in about 2016 and said, I'm open. Mm -hmm. And it was just amazing to see the leadership apart from my dad, yeah. apart from his influence, because he really, he said, he tried to there's, there, there's too much conflict of interest here for me to really guide this process other than to say, I, I think Jeff would be a good succession candidate. Now y'all figure it out. Right. right. And, 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 and so as best he could, I think he tried to remove himself, sure. um, and, and it was just cool to, to see the affirmation. Um, and then my desire changed. My heart changed. What I realized is the reason I hadn't left Creekside is because I loved Creekside mm -hmm. and that I really was committed to this church. And then getting back to church planning, the yeah. thing I realized was um, churches plant churches. Right. right. That's in the, in the, in the that's New the Testament. Hope. That's the hope. The, the hope, right? <laughs> the hope is that what we would see is people get saved, yep. raised, built up, discipled, and then sent from churches yep. with teams to plant more churches. And so, you know, what would it look like for us to become a church planting church? And that's just as much church planting as me going off and doing the, the entrepreneurial thing myself. It's just right. that it's not as much about me. What one person. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that really mm. captured, captivated my imagination and, and by God's grace, I think we've been able to take steps toward that. So yeah. it's a long answer, but I'll stop there. No, that's awesome. Uh, and it, and it segues, you know, we crossed paths, uh, for a couple of years, yeah. uh, at Creekside. I mean, you were always around before that anyways, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, uh, for the couple of years we were on staff together, um, and, and you were a young adult pastor then mm -hmm. I was youth pastor. What has changed in ministry since then, and what stayed the same? I don't know if that's a... Yeah, changed at Creekside or changed... Creekside specific, then also kind of generally in ministry, and then and then what do you see as, as the current... Yeah, if you can kind of... <laughs> is there a way to put your thumb on that or I don't know? Yeah, I, let's start with what hasn't changed. You know, one of the, the cool things about the succession plan we were able to create is that we... We really collaborated, I think, as elders, my dad and I, with everybody else, in terms of here's where we want to see the church progress. Mm -hmm. And so I think oftentimes there's a perception that when the new person comes on, they're going to clean house. They're going to... Yeah, everything's going to Everything's going to change, that yeah. we need to do all these things. And I think there was never that sense mm -hmm. and that, really that desire from me. 
it was more how do we build toward things that we really believe God wants us to be about. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, that our leadership was pretty aligned in what we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot about Creekside I already loved, you know I mean? So it wasn't, I didn't look at it as this, you know, house I had to acquire and and we were going to remodel it completely or Mm -hmm. something like that. It was a place I loved initially. So the things that haven't changed, I would say, are just expositional preaching through the scriptures, gospel centrality, um, Mm -hmm. that Jesus is the hero of the Bible, so he should be the hero of every sermon. Um, a real focus on small groups and mm-hmm. um, that we get bigger by getting smaller and that that um, intimate family community is a non-negotiable of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we want to serve the city and bless it. And I think, um, you know, we want to be that church where if we ever left, the city would weep um, because <laughs> uh, even if, uh, you know, as Peter says, we're spoken of against and, and that'll ha- against, yeah, you know, because of our allegiance with Christ, uh, people would still be not able to deny just the the redemptive presence we are right. in the community because that gives us, we believe, the platform to, to speak the gospel. So, yeah. yeah, so those things I don't think have changed. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that uh, you see altogether, in, maybe in the church world, ministry world, that has changed that... That is, I mean, I, I've not been here in, in, in nine years living in the, or yeah, eight years living in Germany. And right. what's sort of, if there's anything that's changed maybe that time uh, on the pulse of ministry, can you put your finger on it? Yeah. I mean, our, in terms of context changes, I mean, I would say just the tech sector here has just blown up wow. since 2008, right? Okay. And you think, I mean, you know, we live in you know, <laughs> Google, Facebook, Apple, YouTube world. I mean, so the, the people who kind of pull the levers of power globally, right? A lot of those companies are centered here. And so that attracts a lot of talent. So I'd say just, you know, San Leandro was kind of a blue collar community for, yeah. for a lot of years. And there's still a vestige of that, but uh, a lot more kind of corporate tech jobs. And that's kind of just changed the makeup of the Bay. Um, you know, immigration continues to change it in terms yeah. of just the, the the multicultural dynamics. It's always been a multicultural place, but it's gotten increasingly so. Yeah. And I think by God's grace, that's been reflected in our church. Um, yeah, man, it's it's a busy, fast-paced place. I wanted to address place, that, yep. um, And it has not slowed down. And, and there is an intense economic yeah. pressure to just survive here. But I would say the thing I see too, is there's a real sense that people, it's not just that they're making an insane amount of money. There's this sense that your job uh, gives you an identity Mm -hmm. and that um, just a cultural sense and that we're here to change the world through our our jobs. And so um, it's very much about making a name for yourself. Um, I think that's, that's deeply embedded in the culture. One of the things, and I I remember this being here is the, the, people are really, really kind. There's with their time, with their energy, uh, extremely generous. Hmm. Um, but I do remember, you know, sort of, uh, having that feeling of like people looking at their watch, like, are we, are we done? I mean, if we're done, I'm, I'm moving on. That's a, that's great. And people are super busy. People are super busy and it's, it's, it's good, but it's hard. Well, it's yeah. And, and I think, People are super busy, and the thing that it perpetuates in a lot of ways is loneliness because mm. y- you to build thick community, it, it requires sacrifice and, time, and curtailing yeah. of freedom and not sort of maximizing every minute of every, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's a real challenge yeah. um, is how to do that. And then there are challenges, just it's multicultural. And so, yeah. you know, 
how to create unity in the midst of that kind of just different experiences, upbringings, yeah. cultural values. How do you, um, you know, I trust that God's going to do it because he wants to build his church. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so what does that look like? So, and then, I mean, of course the Bay area, it's, it's only, you know, there's, there's a, there's a hostility to the gospel here. There's yeah. a, there's a, there's a secularism that doesn't just see Orthodox Christianity as false, but bad. Yeah. Hurtful to people. Hurtful even, to, almost. To, yeah. to people, especially in terms of some of the ethical norms yeah. that, that, you know, and so that's, that's just what it means is, is that there's, um, th- that you never have a, a sense that you're on the home field, right? <laughs> when you're engaging with people, yeah. but, but I'll tell you the advantage of that. Yeah is that I've met a lot of people who have never met a Christ follower. Yeah. And then you are the first Christ, Christ follower yeah. that they've met, and they have perceptions maybe from what's happening in other parts of the country or all these other things, but you are able to set the tone for what they're engaging with a real Christian is going to be positive, like. And they can have a walk away with a positive they can walk and, in their mouth. Yeah. And they know they're not Christians. Exactly. <laughs> they, they don't have any illusion that they're following Jesus. Whereas I think in other parts of the country, uh, I, I'm that's tracking, a much tracking. more difficult so like, not to crack. In places like the South, it's really challenging because they might think they are honest to goodness Christ followers, and they're probably not. They're cr- cultural Christians, maybe. Yeah, there is yeah. there is no that's cultural Christianity here, yeah. here in a lot of places. Now, now it varies from culture to culture, sure. so I don't want to paint with too broad a brush because the barrier, right? You, the minute you do, you you miss some. <laughs> subset of what's happening right. but but That's that is a actually very keen insight uh, yeah which is why i love being here honestly i i love you know when i tell people i'm a pastor like what like what kind of alien are you <laughs> like you are a pastor in your 30s and you're not wearing a clerical robe like i'm just i'm just some weirdo to them right and there's which is great how does that work it's it's great because it 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 it's um yeah yeah that's that's actually a really keen insight. So you're actually able to, in Bayer and more secular environments, right. um, really be the first Christian contact with someone that can be like, "Whoa, that guy's a normal dude," yeah. and and uh, and authentic and genuine mm-hmm. and 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 all the things that that we would hope to, uh, you know, present. Right. Um, but but that also comes with like trench warfare in some sense. So that segues into my next question. You're in the trenches of daily life and ministry. You know, you're, um, what do you find really important uh, for a senior pastor, maybe, or a staff person at a church? I hope a lot of uh, my, my audiences are, are people in those kind of scenarios. Yeah. Um, what do you find important to be a good servant of Christ in daily life and ministry? Yeah. I don't know if I have anything too insightful other than John 15, um, abide in me, my words in you, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, I think one of the easiest things to forget in ministry is that it's Christ's power at work through us. And, you know, one thing we often say at Creekside is that the Christian life isn't me doing my best for Jesus, it's Jesus doing his best through me. And which means that my primary responsibility is to stay connected to, the to him, yeah. to the vine. And yeah. so what, what that means practically for me is that I have to carve out time as sacred and inviolate to commune with Jesus just for the sake of communing with Jesus. Now, let me get in the, in the weeds with you. Get in the weeds. <laughs> Does that mean you take an hour as you come to the office? 
You got three kids at home. Uh, I loved your illustration a couple weeks ago. Like, I, my, my perfect day is going to be when I right. get when I get on vacation and my kids are in bed. I, I yeah. bro, I totally get it. I, uh, so, do you do you carve out that time at home? Where, where, yeah. where does that happen for you? What yeah, what I've had to do, and, and it's going to vary for different people. But for me, um, I have to be up earlier than my family. Um, with a coffee in for, hand. With a coffee in a- hand for a few reasons. But but one is um, any other part of the day, my mind has already been hijacked in a there sense by, yep. by um, every other responsibility, distraction, the weight of the world. Now, I think it's it's great to, to kind of end your day with some kind of communion with Jesus sure. as well and, and kind of practice that daily office, right? But for me, the key time is the morning. And, and there's a few things. Um, I do not use a phone. That's that's one of my or your quiet time. No, get the, I, I, get the paper there's, there's Bible out. No, nothing digital about my quiet time. For some cool. people, maybe they can use it, but for me, uh, this device represents distraction. It represents uh, it's 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 just a, a little digital cigarette that can. Did you guys <laughs> hear that? Um, I'm going to talk to the camera for a moment. <laughs> put the thing away. That's yeah. yeah so so for me, I put an airplane mode. I turn it off. I I yeah. you know one of my little rules for myself is before you look at the news, look at the good news. And that's so that's, you'll get the paper Bible out. I get a paper Bible out of a paper journal. Uh, I have paper scripture memory cards Wait. and paper yeah what is that I know. Stuff? yeah so yeah and, and and actually the physicality of it yeah. helps yeah. uh it helps sure. to ingrain what i'm i'm learning right i'm i'm, I'm using more of my senses Do you journal so, through prayer too as well or how, when yeah. you prayer time mm-hmm. so you'll have i guess some scripture time right yeah and then you'll have some prayer time i guess yeah i'm i'm pretty boring in the way i do things i don't mix things up too much i just kind of read a chapter of the bible and and reflect on it think about it just want to get the sweep of scripture and just yeah. kind of Usually reading through areas where I'm not sermon prepping. You know what I mean? <laughs> just just more That's devotionally. The, okay, and, now maybe we should spend some time on that since yeah. you mentioned it. Like, I'll read, and I'm reading with my wife. So I have personal alone time, but then also time with, with my wife. That's great, man. But in those times, it's really hard not to like, ooh, sermon prep, right? Yeah. How do, can you switch it off? What, what, how, do you, how do you do that? What, what's... Yeah. Well, for sermon prep, I need a computer. So that's good. <laughs> and so there you go. So it's, 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 uh, you know, and, and there'll be insights, but, and, and I think your sermon prep, obviously it should be devotional. Um, right. I mean, that sure. it's, it's not like we should separate these things into here's kind of my academic study of scripture and yeah. here's what I do for my job. I, for me, I, I just cannot commune with Jesus with the focus or intimacy I want to with the sermon with the, with the sermon lingering back, uh, yeah. some pastors great you can do it but for me read through a chapter of the Bible I journal out my prayers I have things I'm kind of praying all the time and uh, and then things just as they come to my mind anxieties for the day casting on the Lord that kind of things things I need to confess doing it then yeah. and, and one of the most helpful practices for me is I I will I will go back and read through and I try to circle the things that God actually did, right? I mean, and so I actually try to follow up and see, oh, I prayed for that. Look at that. Check. God did it. Check, awesome. check, check, check. Awesome. And just, you know, and using a it's different... faith building, too. And, well, exactly. It's, yeah. it's using a different color pen, too. So I can okay. look back and say, okay, I'm, cool. I'm, and, and, and I try to put a date next to when God answered that prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's a good thing, just a good practice to go, no, God is doing stuff. I can look. Here's the evidence. Wow. And so that's been helpful for me. And then I got, 
uh, you know, scripture memory, just try to keep up on things I've, I've worked on, but I'm slow with that. <laughs> slow, slow, slow. I just, again, I'm, I'm a plotter, dude. I'm not, I'm not creative. I'm not innovative. I just plod. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> well, I, I, maybe I should actually have a show on that, like sermon prep versus devotion. Like this is, this is a tough balance. I think it's, it's, it, it's so ingrained, I think in, in my own Bible reading, like I'll ha- I'll be doing sermon prep. Yeah. Like, you know, in my head. As yeah, a, and and that it's so hard to switch that to sort of really just let's just read, let the Lord speak through it, and yeah. uh, so maybe <laughs> should come back, swing back to that. Well, and I'm not, I would say I am not devotional enough in my sermon prep process. I okay. that's that's a weakness. That's for actually me. something we should really touch on too. Like, how do we make you know? And let's the, let this be devotional. Let the Lord speak. His His word is sufficient. We don't have to put some awesome, sweet illustration on top, you know, like yeah. he can, his word works. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to theology. All right. Can we do that? <laughs> sure. Theology is probably more needed than ever. Hmm. I don't know. It just feels like that to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of an accidental theologian. We know everything is serendipitous. <laughs> right and, on me. I mean, <laughs> um, and the Lord is sovereign and leads, but I really kind of stumbled into it. You know, yeah, and uh, you know, I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to be in in church ministry and theology. Okay, yeah, you know, right. It was a necessary evil (laughs) to to study uh, in seminary, right? Uh, Right. But the main task of the church is theology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, explaining a holy God to people. Yeah. So, uh, what do you find important in this area, and what can help us keep the church on track? Yeah. Uh, No, thinking of what you just said about the, the church's task being theology. I think of Paul's words in first Timothy three, where he says the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. And, uh, Sweet. and just that idea that the church exists to promote, to support, um, truth yeah. and, and the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think we're always growing in this area in terms of how to help people think theologically yeah. about everything. Everyone's already a theologian, right? <laughs> they know that everybody has, answers presuppositions to the big questions of life who is god what is sin what's the problem with the world what are humanity what's our ultimate destiny um what fixes things right people think in theological categories without even knowing it and so um yeah i would say a few things are really important for us as a church in growing our people theologically and the again i'm not i'm not a creative guy for (laughs) me um I don't know how you build people without preaching through the Bible and making yeah. the diet of your preaching, the, the core staple, yeah. um, working through the text of Scripture in the way it's written, um, thinking God's thoughts after him From as he Genesis came. to Revelation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. not necessarily that we have to start in Genesis right. and preach through Revelation, because I don't yeah. know if I'm going to get there. I'm trying. <laughs> but but at least working well, we through... We're in Genesis now, so... I mean. We are. We're Genesis 1 through 11 right now. It's been fun. I'm learning things. It's wild. But um, yeah, yeah I, but I would say there is a great benefit to working through books of the Bible in your preaching. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's a few benefits. First, and, and again... Um, People can disagree with me. That's fine. But here's what I've found. When I preach topically and have in the past, I gravitate toward what I like to talk about. Yeah. And so I will form sermon series on the things that I'm comfortable with, the the topics I'm comfortable with talking about. And then you actually end up sort of forming a, 
Jeff theology or, or Richard theology or, or you know, yeah, rather and, than— Yeah, and you yeah. might be implicitly teaching people to think like you rather than to think scripturally. Yeah. That's the danger, and I just know myself too well to think that I wouldn't fall prey to that. So, yeah. you know, when we're preaching through—and and again, expositional preaching is not the, the solve-all. You can skip over hard things. You can gloss. Even you can, in, even, in expos- e- even when you're doing that. <laughs> right. And, and it, it's, it's, it's hard because you have to be selective. You can't talk about literally everything in the text. But, yeah. but it does force you to talk about things that you wouldn't normally talk about or that you wouldn't yeah. instinctively gravitate to. So for that reason— that, it, it helps you to preach the whole counsel of God and to give right. people a, a, a balanced theological diet so that um, the church doesn't get dominated by any kind of one personality or charismatic figure or thought, but really we're, we're letting the word um, be the, 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 the governor and the, yeah. the, the thing that we're here to hear. Yeah. I'll also say that it really helps in building unity in your church because when you create that expectation that we're here to hear the word, then what people are gathering around is the word of God. And if it's being faithfully preached, there's no sense that we're drawn to a personality or to a certain kind of teaching or something like that, that really we want to know what the word says and how to obey it. Right. I I had uh, early on, you know, when we were at Tommy's Interactive Church in in Columbia, South Carolina, I had Mm -hmm. sort of like gotten that cute preaching, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what I call cute (laughs) preaching type trend, you know, like, let's take a theme and we're going to, you know, yeah. uh, I, me- I remember even remember that song, everything to everyone. Um, what was it? That uh, was like a, a weird, uh, uh, alt, alt song, okay. alt rock song, <laughs> everything you know? to everyone. um, uh, and, uh, and we had, had a theme, everything to everyone. I'm like, uh, you know, and I look back on, it, I think, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> we handpicking, you know, you're handpicking scripture, you're handpicking themes, you're, you're sort of doing what you want to do. And, and, and I, I got to, as you know, actually at my time at Creekside really formed me, you may disagree with, with my deep conviction, but I have a deep conviction that a Bible somewhere should be on your lectern mm-hmm. and that's okay. I mean, it, if the, if the lyrics or the, the lyrics, <laughs> the scriptures displayed, that's cool. I notice you do that. And yep. I appreciate that. Just the Bible is there. We're coming. This is where, this is our source, right? This is our source material, not, my opinion, and that's what Paul yeah. wrote to Timothy: preach the word, in season and out of season. Right, uh, and and that's that's it. I think mm-hmm. um, we can avoid so many pitfalls in the- theology if people actually know where to look. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're teaching people where to look. Yeah, and and I think hopefully how to think to theologically, how to read the Bible, sort of those implicit things you're teaching just through the way you take apart a part of text, yeah. handle it draw in the the redemptive historical themes, yeah. all of those things, kind of build a sensibility for not just what the Bible is, but how to actually read the Bible. I'd say one other thing about this, and we could talk about just yeah, this, but, talk about- but, but, but it's helpful. Anytime you can make something a Bible fight, it's really helpful. What I mean is, right, if, okay. if, if, you're, gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna walk into kind of treacherous territory on something, if I preach a topical sermon on sexuality, everyone's radar goes up. Okay. Okay. What's Jeff's take? What's he going to do? And then the focus kind of becomes, how is he going to handle this? Right. I'm tracking. Right. As opposed to, all right, we're preaching through Genesis. And so here's, here's male and female. Here's naked and unashamed. Here's one flesh. Here's. And so we just start with what do these things mean? 
and and then how are they unpacked in the rest of the Bible? And so now, yeah. I, what even if the listener out there, and I always assume there are non-believers out there right. listening to me, and that's great if they're coming to church and doing yeah. this, but hopefully what they're walking away with is, yeah, that's what the text seem to be communicating. And now I've got to grapple with that. And so it's not about, I don't, I'm just, I didn't a, like what he said. I'm just a messenger. Jeff, like Jeff I don't talked about sexuality. Yeah, like, I don't like his opinion. Well, exactly. exactly. And like, we didn't invent this stuff, man. Like the reason I'm talking about this is because it's core to the message of scripture from the very first page. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when we get to the gospel at the end of the sermon, we start talking about the church adorned as a bride coming down for her husband there in revelation go. 21 yeah. and 22. And the, absolutely consistent symbolism of male, female throughout the body and, 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 and and the gospel um, metaphor that, that God is laying out for us, then at least people, even if they don't agree with you are dealing with the meat of what's there and not just some cultural take on what's on what some pastor thinks. Or you're, you're this week. I'm a little bit offended by the, this or that, the other thing. So I'm going to pick this topical thing or this self-help that deal. And I'm with you a thousand percent. Yeah. It actually takes, it gives you a built-in excuse as well. Yeah. Like, well, look, here it is. It's not, I mean, it's not my opinion. <laughs> I, I didn't pick this topic today. Right. We're going through Genesis 1 through 11. There yep. it is. Here it or is. Or Matthew or wherever. And, it, exactly. And so it's actually a little bit, you know, attack me, but there it is. It's it's in the text, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it takes the, the pressure off in a sense that, that I, my job is to faithfully present this. Um, and if I do that, mission accomplished. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that's so, so just quickly there. theology, theology, <laughs> that's one. I think the other is that uh, we really emphasize Bible study in our small groups. You know, there are great curriculums out there and stuff, but we try to just read through the Bible and yeah. talk about it. I think that's another one that's, that, that this is, I know I'm not, we're not creative. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, we do have some equipping classes, like we have rooted, which yeah. is a basic of the faith class. We try to get every Creeksider through that. And yeah. we're really working through just the basics of our statement of faith, thinking through them. And so there's a lot more we could do, but those, those are, those the, are real basic. Those are the those real basic things. Help extreme. I mean, you know, getting people who are especially coming from the secular Bay area, yeah. What does this church believe? And actually say, okay, can I line up with that? And actually, yeah. and then, and and then actually, maybe they've never even thought about it. Yep. And and, and they have the opportunity then to hear true a statement of faith in For some sure. sense. And so, all right. Um, so hopefully my uh, listeners are. It's hard to tell sometimes who my <laughs> listeners are, but um, they're interested in theology. They're yeah. interested in uh, churchpreneur. You know, they're entrepreneurial church ministry people, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and how would you, what, what, give us an encouragement for that, for that church entrepreneur, entrepreneur out there, mm. they're taking a step of risk. Maybe they're stepping out in as a church planter, or maybe they're thinking about going into missions. Mm. Maybe they're thinking about taking on a new pastoral role like yeah. you did uh, years ago um, and starting something new maybe, or starting something, right? They're starters. They're, they're, they have that apostolic, yeah. Gifting. Yep. Yeah. And they're, they're going as it were, as the apostolic mm -hmm. <laughs> gifting should be right. Um, what are, what are some pitfalls to watch out for? What are some encouragements you would give them? So maybe a yeah. few pitfalls and a few encouragements, if you have any ideas there. Yeah. Well, the, the encouragement is this, that, that it's a, it's a good and godly aspiration to want to take new ground for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I wish more people had that, <laughs> had that burden that, 
that, Do it. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that to, to go and whether it's going across your city or going across the world. Um, but that, that sense that, um, that the gospel needs to be um, proclaimed in more places and uh, Christ needs to be known as Lord everywhere. And so that, uh, that, that's the encouragement. Um, pitfalls, I would say, in any kind of entrepreneurial work of God, right? Apostolic, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, where you're taking new ground. I mean, I'll just tell you one from my own experience is that there is a pride that the devil can use in it that mm-hmm. has to do with, you know, church is not done well. Church is not, has not been done right. And I'm going to create a church that does it right. And, and, and the, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and you. even if you don't say it quite like that, I would say one of my huge cautions is do not go out of reaction to what you don't like. Yeah, we're gonna have the better, b- better, more relevant worship service. For instance, I mean, <laughs> more just, relevant. Yeah, I'm just no, no, totally. Yeah, I, better music. Uh, yeah, lights. No. Whatever. Oh, the <laughs> irony of the word relevance and how how old it sounds now, right? Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> uh, but, but, but all that, all that to say, I had that kind of reactionary spirit in me to a certain degree. Even though I loved Creekside and grew up here, there was yeah. still a sense in a lot of the churches that I'd been in that they're not going to reach people. They're not going to da 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 da. There's the here's the problems with it. And and so, the, the thing a, about that it's an elite attitude actually. It's an elite uh, attitude. And, both, and now, now, everyone in the room who had that that elite attitude raise well, their hands. Now and, and now here's the thing. It's not totally <laughs> illegitimate. You can see things sure, that are sure. not working in the model, but what I'd say is this, you have to the primary driver has to be um, the Great Commission, yeah. the sense of Christ's glory being named in a new place, that he is worth it because he is worthy um, and not we need to have cooler churches. Right. Because your church will not be cool in like six months. <laughs> really? <laughs> Gotta laugh. And maybe your maybe your church, you know, maybe maybe your church never was cool, right? Like, oh. but, but just that, that, that sense that, that it needs to be cool. I think that it's, it's uh, you know... Well, it, it's well, Paul, a dangerous thing. Paul said it. He said, I, I wanted to proclaim Christ where he was not named. Right. Right? Yeah. And and if, I mean, you know, the Great Commission, Christ, uh, Jesus said it, I think it's uh, Mark Mark 12, The first the gospel must be proclaimed in all the earth. Mm-hmm. If that's not your, let's check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? Yeah. So I would say, <laughs> and so... And, and so how do you know if you're being reactionary, okay. I would say, is, is a good question to ask. And okay. I'd say one is that if you're harboring any kind of disdain for those who send you, or if you're not being sent, um, or if um, you have this sense that, well, no one's really doing it right, so I'm going to go do it right, um, you know. Um, now you're getting in our business. <laughs> a, lack of, <laughs> a lack of real godly mentors who are affirming you and, and who you will take direction from yeah. in what you're doing. Um, you know, so if let's, re- if let's yeah. review those. Cause I think they're super important. Yeah. Let's review them. What's the first one again? <laughs> Can you remember? <laughs> <laughs> they're super important. I have no idea what yeah, I yeah. said. No, no, I, I would say, um, you know, how do you know if you're reactionary? Um, I think the first one is a sense of disdain, yeah, um, for where you're, for, for where you're coming from, um, is, is a big one to watch out for. Uh, and even disdain with your sending church, yeah. um, I'd say um, a sense that we're we're gonna right. do it right. Finally, right. we're finally gonna be the ones who get this right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, a lack wow. of a lack of accountability or mentors who can speak into your life. Yeah. 
you know, and and I would say, you know, there's one of the big divides in the church is the generational divide, you know, and, and, and if you don't have old guys, you know, who can speak wisdom, if you just think they don't know how to reach people anymore, their time has kind of passed. Um, like, bro, that, that is such an unbiblical, ungodly attitude to take. May we say to our listeners, uh, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Yeah. Humble yourself. You yeah. Up. Yeah. You know, there are so. things that, that, you know, imitate those, imitate the faith of those who come before you, right? Yeah. Hebrews 13, you, you yeah. need those models because you're not going to do this for six months. You're going to do this maybe for the rest of your life and invest yourself yeah. in that. And you need the truth wow. that's going to sustain you. So those are the big ones I would say. Here's here's a thing that's that's not always true, but I think is often true. When people plant really young, they set themselves up for more pitfalls a lot okay. of times. And, and the reason is this is they haven't suffered yet. They haven't been through hardship. And now you are getting in our business. And so I'll, I'll just say awesome. that, that for I, I've seen the guys out there right now, um, the people out there right now planting really healthy churches and, and the people that Creekside has really been excited about supporting. Yeah. Um, they've got some battle wounds. Yeah. They have been in the trenches in associate roles in different ministry contexts. They've served. They've seen churches blow up. They've, they've been attacked. They've yep. had to deal with things. They've learned some lessons. Yeah. And so they... Um, they are hopeful, but they are not idealistic about what church planting will be. Right. And, and not green either, right? And they're not green. Yeah. I, there's, um, ju- I, I would say it just there's a principle here f- that I think you could glean from, from 1 Timothy 3 where, you know, it says an elder must not be a new believer. Right. I would say in the same way, a church planter should not be a, a neophyte in ministry, <laughs> right? That, that, that there's, there's a lot of value to just serving faithfully in the local church, right. letting the local church affirm your calling and send you out. And I don't know that a 22-year-old is... Uh-huh. is if, now, God can do what he wants. There are rare exceptions, but often I, that's a concern for me. So would you encur- what would you encourage a 22-year-old? Take, take some time be on a staff, try to what, what, give, give us some, I mean, uh, maybe a, a quick, easy pointer or something like that for that young guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back at my time at Creekside before stepping into this role and I absolutely needed that before I stepped into a, a lead pastor role. It was just absolutely indispensable to be faithful, to sit under authority, to learn how to follow, yeah. right. To learn yeah. how to submit when you disagree to people. Um, so that you understand how you authority disagree works. With people? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty agreeable, but yeah, I'm, I'm I can be disagreeable. <laughs> I've become more, yeah. I I, I don't know, yeah. I, anyway, so I, I and I think too, you know, just the principle of he was faithful and little is faithful and much, and that, that you yep. you have to show that you can make disciples, you can build people up in the faith, you can just faithfully execute the duties of being yep. a pastor. Uh, because a planner is a pastor, and, and 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 I don't care how entrepreneurial you are, or how cool your church is going to be, you're going to be pastoring people, and 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 yep. and, and that art of doing that is unless you want to be on, if you want, unless you want to be that guy on the stage who's just seen. I mean, yeah, if I, you're doing it for that, then bro, you're in the really the wrong place. Right? Yeah, I mean, I would say, and this is another podcast, but there's <laughs> the 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 problem of celebrity within uh, particularly American evangelical church context is a big problem right now. And um, I, I remember reading But it's article, been growing. I mean, it's been I, growing bro, it's, since I was here, you know, let, let's put names on it. Mark Driscoll in, 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 you know, in Seattle, 
I mean, from those times. Well, yeah, he and, was the celebrity. Well, well, just from yeah, there. and I think the thing that the, the thing that is genuinely new is how digital communication yeah. enables you to have a platform that is so much bigger than your character so fast. Right. And and can happen in a six months. So your your yeah. technology allows your giftedness to outpace your character um, in a way that was just not possible in previous generations. And yeah. so I remember reading an article years back, Eugene Peterson on the spiritual danger of crowds is what he called it. And he went through all of these early church fathers who warned like that basically the praise of, of men is a huge spiritual danger. And they, and they saw it as like a giantly dangerous wow. thing. And I just think we we've lost a sense of that yeah. in a lot of places. And, um, yeah. you know, and so I think that's just, you know, um, Zach Eswine says, you know, big, fast and famous is not the way Jesus works. And, um, and so get used to slowness, get used to obscurity, get used to toil and being content in that. And if you can't, there's a huge problem there. Huge problem because, because ministry can just chew you up, man. It's just, yeah. Don't, don't let your your uh, status or your platform outpace your character. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and yep. and and I just I I don't know, man. I it, that it it's still about being present with people is is pastoring, and I I know for me, I if I got sucked into the world of just needing to broadcast everything all the time, which is ironic on a podcast, but (laughs) like, 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 but, but, you know, being focused on that kind of viral reach element of my ministry. If that were, if that were your tunnel vision, then yeah, man, that's, that's just, I, I, uh, I, I get worried for, for people who really get keyed in to that and think that's how we're going to impact the world. That's how we're going to advance the gospel. Cringy. So yeah. uh, Anyway, I hope we're doing it and I think we're, Doing it yeah, and, and now all that to say, there are celebrities who I think are really faithful in their role, and Absolutely. oftentimes they didn't want to be celebrities, but they're just so gifted that that people no, wanted to hear them preaching the word, and, and they're, they're actually preaching the word. They're, 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 they just started, uh, you know, making their sermons available, and like that's the word. I mean, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I don't want right. to, you know, dump on people unnecessarily. I would just yeah. say it's it's a it's a danger. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we could probably keep going, but uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Yep. Um, I've been asking all my guests this lately, and uh, we can do this in five minutes or, or a couple minutes. Share the gospel with our listeners and invite them to receive Christ. Awesome. Well, if you do not know Jesus and you're listening, I'm just <laughs> I I'm interested in what you <laughs> thought of this conversation yeah, yeah. for That's one right. thing, but right. but I'm so grateful that, yeah. that you would you would tune into this and and listen. And what you need to know about the Christian faith is that at the core, the core message is the gospel, and the gospel is good news. Mm-hmm. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. The first thing you need to know is that it's news. <laughs> it's about what someone else has done. So it's news. It's not advice. It's not instruction. It's not laws. It's not rules. It's not regulations to follow. It's news, and it's good news because um, of who's at the center of it, Jesus. And for news to be good, it has to invade a place that's bad. (laughs) Some bad news. There's got to be some bad news for us to understand the good news. And, and, And this really gets into the gospel message is really, in a sense, a summary of the biblical story. And, and it can, the, the, so, so let's, let's give the, the, the short de- definition. The, the good news of the gospel is 
that through the life, death, resurrection, and return of Christ, God is renewing and restoring creation, <laughs> defeating death, and reconciling sinners to himself to be part of his eternal family. Uh, that's, the new, that's the good news. Now, to understand what that declaration means, you need the whole story of the Bible, right? The, and the story of the Bible, um, Ken Hughes says it this way, God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixed it. So that's, that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the, yeah, I know that's, yeah. that's, that's a good one. What it means is that God created a good world, um, a, a world in which we as his image bearers were meant to know him and to rule as his representatives over the world and to, to really bring forth the full potential of this world under his reign, ruling it with him. That's his intention. Um, humans rebelled against God from the very beginning and that disrupted everything. First, it ruined our relationship with God. Rather than an intimacy with God, we are at enmity with God. And the enmity is both ways, us hating God and God righteously against us in our rebellion against him. Mm -hmm. uh, it means that the sin has disrupted our relationships with each other. We are now at enmity with each other. And so whether it's sexism, racism, any ism you want to give, it's rooted in the destructive power of sin. And it disrupts our environment, um, our, our relationship with the created order itself, that the creation is groaning. It is not the way it is supposed to be, that the world does not work with us right. anymore. Right. Um, and so God um, through the people of Israel and then um, supremely in Jesus works out a plan to restore and redeem and renew this world. And he sends Jesus to do that. And what we say is the good news is that Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's the good news. He's the hero, right? Mm -hmm. He's the hero of the story. And what does he do? Well, he's our champion. He, he lives the life we were intended to live as our representative. So he lives that life of perfect obedience to God, ruling with God over creation that we were intended to live, mm -hmm. but haven't so that we could be credited with his perfect record of righteousness, that God sees us mm -hmm. in him. And then he dies because sin, the wages of sin is death. That the consequence of our rebellion against God is judgment for our sin. And that's mm -hmm death. It's physical death. It's spiritual death, yeah. which is an eternal loss of relationship with God and bearing his judgment. That's the just consequences. Jesus dies on the cross to remove that judgment. Yeah. So, so that God punishes Jesus instead of us. Mm. He, he takes our guilt so that we can be forgiven. And then Jesus rises from the dead. Death could not hold him um, and conquers death once and for all so that not only we can be raised from the dead and renewed to God, but that so all of creation can be redeemed and restored. And so now that decisive victory has been won. And now Jesus is working through his church, to declare that message. One day he will return. And actually the, the, the fullness of the gospel, right, is the restoration of all things, that all enmity will be put to, you know, that, that either people will be converted or conquered by Christ. Right. Every knee will, and every day knee will bow, one day, every either knee will willingly bow. or unwillingly, to yep. Jesus as Lord, and evil will be banished to hell, um, that it will be quarantined so that this world can be the world that God, God intended um, and, 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 and actually become what it would have become as humans right. fulfilled that mandate originally. So that's a lot there. Yeah. But what I would say is this, that Jesus is the true Lord of the world. Um, that's the, that's at the core of what the gospel is. And so if you want to experience 
deliverance from sin so that you can have a restored relationship with God. And ultimately then with other human beings and with the world itself, you have to trust in Jesus, which means you believe that you are guilty before God, that Jesus took your guilt on the cross. And you trust in his resurrection that he is the resurrected Lord now and that you will live for him to, forever. It means you turn from your sin. You say, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you are right. And now I trust you, Jesus, and will live by faith in you mm-hmm. to direct the course of my life and to show me what it really means to be human, that, that yeah. you and, and what you get when you turn to Jesus is a new relationship with God. Yeah. You're justified. You're forgiven forever. You have the righteousness of Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And now he is renewing you into the image of God. He's making you truly human. And one day we'll raise your body and you'll live with him forever, reigning over this world. So that's it. Um, well, put your faith in Jesus. I mean, put your faith in Jesus. Thank it's, you for strengthening. And, 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 and that's why that is the message of the Bible. That's why we don't proclaim tips on how to make your life better. We don't proclaim rules for self-improvement. Self-help. We yeah. proclaim Christ crucified, crucified, and and what He has done coming again. Yep. Man, uh, th- you know that that message is not just for the the non-Christian who's listening. I mean, oh, we need I, it every day. We need it. We need to strengthen ourselves in the gospel every day. Yep. I need the gospel more than I did yesterday. Amen. And so thanks for strengthening us yeah, in man. that and, and keeping our eyes, on, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set mm-hmm. before him, joy set before him was us. Yeah. Amen. Endured the cross, despising its shame and sat down at the right hand of God, the father. That's the gospel, right? That you explained. Jesus is Lord. And when we fix our eyes on him, put our faith in him, he will restore us to, to fellowship with God. And uh, we just thank, thanks for that, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for your time, Jeff. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we're just, uh, see what, see what this does. I hope this, uh, oh, look, my battery died. So good. Oh, well. So (laughs) awesome. So thanks for listening to this episode of Churchpreneurs Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter if you do that kind of thing. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. You can also email us at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. That's church and entrepreneurs jammed into one awesome jambalaya. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments, questions, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care.